Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockerel. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And uh, the first half of the Premier League season is over. The World Cup is almost upon us. So it seems like a good time to take stock of where Spurs and Arsenal are, how well we've done in this first half of the season and maybe look we ahead to... Uh, we are top of the league. I don't know who's top of the league. I haven't I haven't really been, been keeping track of that. I think the last time we spoke was before the North London derby. So it feels like a long time ago now. I don't really want to uh, have to talk about or remember that game, but I suppose in the interest of fairness, we probably should talk about it. Jason, you were at the game. Do you want to uh, gloat for a little bit about the North London derby and, and where Arsenal currently sit heading into the, uh, the Winter World Cup break? Well, I'm going to be very honest with you. I can't even remember it because we're just winning so much. It all kind of gets shoved into one. I'm literally, I'm just going back now on the Arsenal app and looking at who scored. I can't remember. Well, I remember you were gifted your, your second goal. It was, I mean, I think Gabriel Jesus would, would have been the official goal scorer, but it was basically a Larissa's own goal, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, that old classic. And uh, Granit Xhaka uh, continuing his, uh, his goal-scoring prowess. Yeah, capitalising on, on the space that was... Um, left down our, our right side, I think, after Emerson Royale's uh, rather reckless. I mean, I don't want to bring up old old arguments now, as if it was a few months ago, but I, I don't think it was red card, but I do think it was a stupid challenge from Royale. Um, and I actually think that was the moment when a lot of Spurs fans um, lost patience with him, although I do not condone the uh, ironic cheering that, that greeted his um, substitution and Matt Doherty's arrival on the, the game. But- but Michael, if only Spurs were brave enough to invest in some fullbacks. Only well, Antonio Conte showed some <laughs> thought there was added value in fullbacks. To be fair, I think since Antonio Conte's come in, we've only signed two fullbacks, one of which was sent straight back out on loan. So Perisic is the only fullback he's brought into the into well, no, Spence. But I forget about Spence because it seems like Conte has forgotten about him as well. Um, well, I upset. I think everyone forgot about him after his 20 good minutes after Arsenal game last season. Well, it's funny because Martinelli said that Spence was like the toughest opponent he'd ever come up against last season because he he pocketed him in that Forest game. Didn't Forest knock Arsenal out of the cup last season? I think I think Martinelli's English hasn't been very good for a while. <laughs> I think he's learning still. He might he'll come back at the World Cup, but better English. But but that does make you wonder because you think well. Okay, there's a difference between playing Arsenal when you're the underdog at home in an FA Cup tie versus playing them away from home in North London derby. So who's to say whether Spence would have played as well in that game as he did last season? But it did make you think, well, would Spence have struggled as much against Martinelli as as Emerson did? And would he have got sent off? I I don't think he he would have done. But that's a whole separate conversation, the the Spence discussion. But could uh, could Spence do it on a sunny twelve o'clock in North London? Exactly. Well, not not many Spurs players can, but on, on that evidence and the evidence of seasons gone by. But and I you wondered. Said, you, you said Perisic, don't you mean Prodisic? Well, no. I think you you're the one who needs to, uh, I think, uh, retract your statements on Perisic because he has been uh, absolutely racking up the assists. I think he's got more assists than Andy Robertson to go back to that old. Debate. I think, to be fair, they're level in Robert the league. Robertson's been but... injured all year. He hasn't been able to play. Yeah, but Perisic, Perisic is 33, which, according to you, was basically an injury. So, you know, Perisic has been good. Perisic has a, been one a, of our best players a, this season. What a great added value. He's taking you from fourth to fourth. Brilliant. What progress. Well, the season isn't over yet. There's still a, a long way I to hope, go. I hope it is. <laughs> well, did, I mean, let's get into it. Arsenal now, surely... You have to say, right, this is it. We're in a title race. You're going to be top at Christmas. The last time you were top at Christmas, you you didn't win the league. Um, are you going to do it this time? I believe the last time you were top at Christmas, you didn't win the league either. I don't think we've been top at Christmas for a long time. You have. Yeah, shows their days. Only a few years ago. We weren't top at Christmas. We were top in early December, but I don't think we were actually top at Christmas. <laughs> I, heard something. I heard something different from another Spurs fan, but... You know, you, you can't trust what a Spurs fan's thinking. You never know. You never know what's coming out of their mouths next. Um, you know what? Honestly, man, to, to you know, we came out of that period of Spurs Liverpool. We thought, point here, we're lucky. 
all the time we're thinking, well, this is a slip-up game. And to win those games back-to-back, kind of convincingly, was phenomenal. And, you know, I think Southampton away, when we drew one all, could have been a bit of a turning point. And then losing to PSV as well, we thought, oh, no, now there's, now there's chinks in the armour. But we just keep coming back. And we're beating the big teams. We're beating the small te- smaller teams away, like that Wolves got result. And again, it, it's, it's psychological because if in that after the work before the World Cup, we ended up you know, losing to Wolves and City, um, City had won their game, who was it against? It was against Brighton. Brentford. Brentford, sorry, yeah. Um, psychologically, we might be thinking, oh, you know what? We're not favourites now and we might just let it slip and, and start changing our targets. But we're top. And we're not only top, we're five points clear. So you've got a chance to drop a few points. It'll be up there. I mean, it's phenomenal. And, and I can't deny a club is in a title race when they are mathematically, math- when they're mathematically in it, because technically Wolves could still win the league if they won every game in the city and Arsenal lost every game. But, you know, if you're up there and you're in that place and you're in pole position, you're in a title race. And, and, and I'd argue, I'd still argue City are favourites because of their squad and the money and what they can do and they've done it before. But if anyone else has consistency and, and, and they have the ability to do it, it's Arsenal. And I think... A lot of it will depend on, A, how our players come back after the World Cup, who we invest in in January, because I think this is a sign of champions where you say, all right, and Ferguson was very good at doing this, we're good, but we can do better and keep it up. Because we know there's a period, and it has happened, Gabriel Jesus doesn't score goals anymore. Goals. Assisting, and he, his, his overall play is phenomenal. But when you need a goal... And he's not quite doing it. Eddie and Ketty is not up to the job. Where's that guy off the bench? So, me, I would do that. Whether Arteta will, I don't know. But it would be about the squad and you're going to have an exhausted team. And again, there's an opportunity to capitalise because the City players, they have a lot of strong players who are playing in the World Cup. And if they're tired and we're tired, it will be a bit of who has the best of the rest. So, in a way, the club's who finish earlier and come in and integrate and reset and kind of get back into that mentality mode, it might be able to widen the gap even more. So it's very unpredictable. I, I was speaking to someone earlier today who said, what a shame this is the World Cup year because for Arsenal, with momentum, it, it, it could have been our year. And I guess what will happen is we'll look back at the end of the season and say, A, either, wow, thank God we had that break, then we'll be able to recharge and go and win the league. Or B, oh God, it ruined our momentum and we, we lost track and we finished fourth. But at the end of the day, Champions League, that was the next step and it's looking good right now. But who knows what happens? I mean, I'm not going to get too excited because I don't really believe it. I'm, listening, I'm watching it and I don't really believe it. But for me, it's brilliant being top of the league, seeing us grind out results, seeing the atmosphere, seeing the players, seeing the manager, seeing the style. and watching Spurs get lucky every minute. So it's, it's, it's delightful, I must say. I think what you said about momentum is, is key because I think a lot of this first half of the season for Arsenal has been about momentum. Obviously, a lot was made at the beginning of the season about uh, having a, a relatively kind run of, of fixtures up to a certain point. Uh, and obviously, you still need to win those games. But I think what, what it allowed you to do was was build that momentum, which then has carried you over into these games against, I mean, you did lose against United, of course, but against games, against us, against Liverpool, against Chelsea. And I think it'll be interesting to see, like you said, in the second half of the season, how much this World Cup does halt your momentum. And on on the flip side, how much it gives teams who were having a bad season up to this point, the opportunity to turn things around. Teams who we might see as struggling right now, who might come on much stronger in the second half of the season than they might have done if we just kept going. And I think that would be my main worry for any team who's flying at this moment in time is whether you're able to maintain that in the second half of the season when you have had such a big disruption. Um, but, you know, I'm not 
uh, for me, this is all like Tony Adams on Strictly. You know, Tony Adams had a good run on Strictly. He kept going through week after week. People thought, oh, how, how long is this going to last? Is he going to win? He got knocked out last week and something similar is going to happen to Arsenal. It, it, it'll all fall apart. And um, I'm just I'm, I'm waiting for the moment when it does. It'll be all the all the sweeter. You know, how well you're doing at the moment will make the collapse in the second half of the season uh, or, or, all the sweeter. And it, it will go the way of all your your previous uh, title challenges. And, and um, uh, yeah, I, I'm, and, and, and like the way your top four um, uh-huh. race went last season. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the second half of the season and to seeing the, the tables turn. Tell me more. Tell me more. Keep talking. Listen, I get it. Same. The top of the league, the best team in England. We probably could be one of the best teams in the world at the moment. One of the best managers and so one of the best back lines. Would it be fair to say then if Arsenal don't win the league from here that you've bottled it? Well. Because Spurs apparently bottled the title in a season when we were never top. So in a season where you're top at Christmas by five points, I mean. I mean, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I mean. Unexpected. But it Spurs, they, they have the atmosphere. We, I think there's a very, we're, talk, we're talking, uh, talking chat, chat, chat. But actually, do we mean it? I don't know. We're delirious. You know, we've never, we haven't been here for a long time. We just want to be in and amongst it, and I don't think it's bottling. It, I don't think it's bottling, no, because you've got Man City in the wings. You're know? ahead of them, ahead of them by five points. Yeah, but they're Man City. They're Man yeah, City, but... and they have unlimited resources, and we haven't played them yet. And 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 we we are. Listen, we're overachieving. You just said you're one of the best teams in the world. Well, we are. We're one of the best. If not well, the then... best, but that doesn't mean. Yeah, but uh, Messi is the best player in the world. He didn't win everything all the time. He hasn't won the Champions League with PSG. So it doesn't mean just because you're the best, you always win. Yeah, but if, if he was ahead in the Champions League final by three goals and they lost? Well, five points isn't three goals. Five points at this stage of the season is it's like, it's like half a goal up. OK, so if Messi was half a goal up <laughs> in the Champions League final? Yeah, it's like he's shooting a free kick and it's going in the top corner. It hasn't quite got on yet. So you're thinking, ooh, watching this go into the top corner, it's not quite there. When it does go in eventually, all right, you know, they're up. But anything can happen. There's still 60 minutes so, of the game. So now. you're saying Arsenal haven't achieved anything yet? Well, we've achieved progress. And you know what? The, the landscape has changed. It's very impressive. Without the investment, like the other teams, the unlimited resources, it's very yeah, impressive. Yeah, but you, you, have, you have spent more money than any other team two summers running, haven't you? Yes. So well, that is a lot of investment. It depends, because remember, there's transfer fees and there's wages. Now, it's different as well. But when, there's a difference as well between investing well for the future and doing short-term deals. Chelsea spending God knows what on Aubameyang, that's money as well. And I believe Chelsea actually spent more than us. So, you know, typical Spurs fans. <laughs> facts wrong. But no, I... I, I I don't see it as that. Maybe it's just a bit of protectionism. I don't see it as, as, um, I see do, it as... Do you worry, though, that you're going into the second half? Because it's interesting what we've been saying about not expecting it. And I think this first half of the season, you, you did start the season maybe without pressure or without the same level of pressure. But going into the second half of the season now, you've got something to lose, right? You've got the target on your back. Well, I don't does, know. Does that change the mentality? Go, w- will there be maybe less freedom when now you've all of a sudden got this thing to protect. But it's a bit of a reach for the stars, aim, aim for the moon, and it's an aim for the moon, you'll re- reach for the blah, blah, And, you know, you fall amongst the stars. So even if that does happen, we've given ourselves such a buffer, and if we see that as the target, target, we're still in a very good position. So... I, just, I mean, I agree, I agree with you, but I just think it's funny that all of a sudden now Arsenal fans are almost praising the very stuff that you slammed Tottenham for under Pochettino when you know we we were finished second or whatever on 86 points when we were not expected to win the league going up against a Chelsea side who had all that money and blah 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 blah. but we'd supposedly bottled it and were a disgrace and la-di-da whereas with Arsenal it's all oh look at the progress when actually well, you to- spent more money than Spurs and Pochettino did and actually we had just as young a squad but we know that we knew then that Tottenham were overachieving and they'd be gone beyond their peak potential whereas Arsenal we know we're growing and we're just growing and growing and growing 
And Spurs, it was more funny because they hadn't won a trophy. Whereas at least we don't have that pressure. We know we've won trophies within this, uh, major trophies within a century. Yeah, but your last trophy was one with Aubameyang, who you got rid of. I mean, it was basically Emery's team, wasn't it, that won that FA Cup under Arteta? It was your, when he'd just taken tro- over. I mean, your last trophy was with Steve Mavronk. <laughs> legend, legend, Steve Mavronk. Club legend. I mean, was Paul Robinson in goal during those days? For the for the Carlin Cup final, yeah. he was, yeah. I did hear it. Funny you say Carlin Cup. I heard it referred to as the Carlin Cup on the radio the other day, and I thought, that is how low that tournament has fallen. That, that people still don't even know the sponsor. And it's funny because trophy to actually justify Conte's um, appointment uh, and they've already knocked themselves out of one cup, probably going out of the second cup, won't we win the league? So uh, FA Cup or bust, huh? Well, I don't know. You never know. I mean, we got to the, the, the Champions League final under Pochettino when we had a midfielder, Winks and Sissoko. So... Who's to say we can't go deep in the Champions League again this year? You know, you never know. Um, well, have you heard the phrase that lightning doesn't strike twice? Well, um, I have, but I disagree. Um, I think we will go one step further. You heard it here first. Istanbul final next year. Uh, Ivan Perisic, extra time winner. Spurs win the Champions League. Beating, uh, let's say, PSG, Messi in the final after he's yeah. had a free kick saved. That looked like it was destined for the top corner. I thought you were uh, going to say Liverpool, and that you could see uh, Robertson versus Perisic, the ultimate left back uh, test. Well, that is the matchup that the world wants to see. Um, I was about to say, who knows? Maybe we'll see it in the World Cup, but we won't because Scotland didn't qualify. Um, a Scotsman and a and a croat walk into a pitch. Walk into the yeah, walk into the left wing. Um, but no, I'm I'm feeling. Pretty, I mean, I know the past few weeks there's been a lot of stories about Tottenham and, and look, going out in the Carabao Cup, obviously I'd rather we were in it because it's an opportunity to win a trophy, but I'm actually feeling quite optimistic about the second half of the season. I think we're going to come on strong just like we did in the second half of last season. If you told me before the season started that by the time the World Cup rolled around, we'd be in the top four, what, three points off City, ahead of United, ahead of Chelsea, ahead of Liverpool, in the knockout stages of the Champions League. I would have been been very happy with that. If you look at where we were this time last year with the Conference League and being, what, eighth, ninth in the league, that as well is progress. The only thing that obviously takes the shine off it is how well Arsenal are doing. But as I said, I don't think that will last. And I, yeah, I feel pretty good about where, where Tottenham are at the moment. Obviously, disappointing to lose North London derby. Um, and there's been a couple of other bad results in there. But we ended this half season on a high with that that comeback win against Leeds got Kulisevsky back he's going to get a nice rest without you know Sweden not being at the World Cup you know two the two best players in the world right now Haaland and Kulisevsky getting a nice rest over the uh, the winter break um so we'll come back firing we'll have another amazing January window we'll we'll make another double signing just like Benton Korn Kulisevsky last January um and who knows maybe even we'll make a late title charge i wouldn't rule anything out at this stage i'm going big football is a game where spurs talk for a season that's football sorry i you cut out for a second now all i heard was football is a game where spurs talk for a season and that's football spurs football is a game Spurs talk season season (laughs) Sorry, it cut, out, it cut out at the same point again. <laughs> it doesn't want to, I don't know if it was cutting out on me with dramatic pause, but oh. essentially I'm saying Spurs win no trophies. That was all oh. I wanted to say. That's oh, okay, sorry. I think I'm no. getting confused between what, what's cutting out and what's a dramatic pause. There's, there's nothing new there. It's just Spurs not winning trophies. It's, it's, an, old, it's an old adage in time and uh, the truth hurts. But, but I'm interested because you're falling behind every game. Keep hearing the Spurs don't look very good. And I, we have we've had a big debate offline. It's getting toasty because I think it's lucky. I don't think you can keep on doing this and thinking it's sustainable as a club to so, think we can go two 0 down every time. Th- this is the big philosophical yeah debate between us that we've been having offline. So I think if something keeps happening again and again and again and again, that's not luck. I think 
I don't believe the the plan is definitely not to keep falling behind. But I think if you are able to continually score late goals, that is a testament to your fitness. And if you're able to keep doing that, there's a reason for that, because a lot of most teams aren't able to do that. And if you can and you you do it repeatedly, I think there's a reason for that. And we know Conte and his staff are very hot on fitness. And I think you 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 don't have the energy and the legs to keep going and score those late goals without having put the work in. And particularly some of these late goals are coming from set piece routines. And we know we have the set piece coach who joined the coaching staff this summer. And the number of goals we've scored from corners and set pieces has gone up massively since then. So I think even if it's not the plan to have to continue relying on late goals, the ability to score those late goals is a testament to the fitness and the work you've done on the the training pitch. So I don't think it's it's luck. I think it's 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 fitness and it's mentality as well. Spurs often get accused of having a, a, a this softness or weakness, but the fact is we've got more points from losing positions than anyone else. Now, partly that's because we're going down in the first place, but that ability to keep coming back, I don't think can be undervalued. And I think it's a huge psychological boost as well, knowing that you you're never out of a game because of your spirit. You know, lots of other teams could just fold if they go two goals down and and let their heads drop and roll over and, and lose by even more. But knowing you have that character to fight back, the fitness to keep going until the very last minute. Um, you know, when you look at the Marseille game, for instance, the goal that put us through to the Champions League knockout stages as group winners, when you have Hoiberg, who's just rolled his ankle a few minutes before, running the length of the pitch and outpacing all the Marseille players to then score an incredible goal that completely changes the complexion of the group. That's a testament to the fitness levels. So I don't think it's it's you can just say, oh, it's just all luck because it wouldn't it wouldn't keep happening as much as it was. And and they're not lucky goals. None of these late goals are lucky goals. All of them are well scored, well executed goals. So yeah, that that's kind of my argument as to why I don't think it's all down to luck. And I and I think it will change in the second half of the season. I don't think it's the plan. No team sets out to deliberately go down. I think for whatever reason, we've been slow starting. But the fact that as the game goes along, we get better is the opposite to what happens with a lot of other teams. And I think that's a testament to the fitness fitness program. I mean, I accept that comes a consistent habit. Eventually, that's, you know, it's part of an identity. It's not just something that's that happens by chance necessarily. But for me, where the luck comes in is, is it's kind of dominoes to fall. Yes, you can be fit, and yes, you can try and do these moves, but you can't write a script. You don't know how the other team's going to respond, how much injury time the referee go- gives, etc. So for me, it's, it's, it's you're leaving it so late, and it could be those opportunities. So it's a very high-risk game. So yeah, I don't think it is the, the game plan that's full fall behind. I think it's more likely that in the second half of the season, we will start games better rather than then all the late the, the late goals stop. Like I so, think but, it's but, this, but I don't understand this because so if it's not the game plan look. <laughs> No it's not because just because you haven't planned something that doesn't mean that if it then happens that it's lucky. But if you don't want it to happen then it's like oh my God we haven't done what we need to do. Thank God we have four minutes of injury time. Or thank God the team have put it out for a corner. Or thank God one of their players has gone off. It's 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 a combination of so many variables that. But you, that know, you can say that about anything in in football. All goals in football are reliant on the opposition making mistakes. Whether you score in the first minute or the ninetieth minute, you're relying on all these variables to come to pass. Like we think from playing FIFA and Football Manager and this kind of cult of the manager that we have now that managers are these geniuses who can move all the pieces around like chess, but it doesn't always work. Like football is always chaotic. You're relying on the opposition making mistakes. You don't know what's going to happen when you step out onto the pitch every game. All you can hope is that the preparation and training that you've done puts your team in the best position to win the game in whatever circumstances the game throws up. And so if you've prepared your team to be super fit so that they can come on strong in games and get faster and stronger as the game goes along rather than losing fitness like other teams do and if you prepare them to maximize set piece routines and if you give them the mentality to keep going to the end and then you continually score late goals that's a testament to the training you've done obviously everyone would rather win a game immediately and be kind of coasting but that's not always going to happen so 
you prepare and train and work to finish games well and if you do that and do it again and again then it's not lucky it's the hard work paying off but why why don't you just get it done just just score for god's sake right and, well yeah, no i agree i agree finish, i would you'll finish, you'll finish fifth because of goal difference because you're waiting to score a late winner rather than being like bang 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 here's your fitness four nil done well i think it's i think it's it's partly the fact i mean look i think a lot of it has been due to the look i'd much rather we we just score three or four goals in the first half and that's it and then you can take your, your foot off the pedal in the second half but and it's certainly something i'm, I'm agree that it's something we need to to fix that we need to be scoring goals earlier and putting games to bed earlier but i don't think that means that the the fact we're scoring late goals is just lucky i think that's it it it, i don't think it's it's just all down to luck um and i think that there's been a theory going around i don't know if it's wishful thinking but i mean a lot of the players have said this season that they've had to manage periods of the get because of how compressed the schedule has been before the world cup and, you know, particularly being in the Champions League where you can't rotate to the same extent that you can in Europa League group stage. And players have said a lot about managing fitness within games as well as between them and periods where you almost have to conserve energy to the, and, and kind of choosing your moments. And I think that is a, a, an issue that might ease off potentially in the second half of the season when maybe the schedule it becomes a bit more normalised post-World Cup. And there's also been a theory that a lot of managers have um, time when they want their teams to hit the absolute peak of their fitness to be able to go for a full 90 at different points of the season. I, I think someone said in kind of the lockdown season, remember City were like mid-table at one point and all of a sudden they went on this massive winning spree and and won the league. And people say it's because Pep had, had designed it so their fitness would peak at a certain point of the season. And there's a theory that Conte's whole preseason and at the moment, kind of training regime I mean I don't know if this is true or not it might just be wishful thinking but that it would peak in kind of February kind of post World Cup it would peak the the fitness thing and it would be designed for the second half of the season maybe that's true and maybe we'll see actually then a team that is able to fully go for the full 90 rather than kind of choosing almost moments I don't know I don't know if that's true but I think I think we will get better in the, and I think we need to get better in the first half of the game. I think ultimately I agree with you that you can't always rely on late goals, but I don't think that means if you score late goals, it's always down to luck. But it's interesting because there's all these injuries to top players at Spurs this season and, you know, Harry Kane's fatigue. You know, if they win the game by 60 minutes, they can take those players off. They're waiting till the 90th minute to score. And I just can't wait for the moment when Spurs are saying, no, 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 it's not luck. It's not luck. We're going to score because we're really fit. And the referee blows the whistle at 90 and they go, oh, game. Yeah, but game most of 90 minutes. Yeah, game is, you realise injury time, football games always last 90 minutes. Injury time is the time you've lost in the game through injury. A football game is yeah. always 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, so I a game that, always ends on 90 minutes. Uh, okay, so that's, uh, no, it's at 90 plus four. Yeah, because that, that's the four minutes that you spent not playing football in the earliest, early yeah, during saying, the game. I'm saying, what if they don't do injury time? And well, you, I mean, it's, yeah. most of these late goals weren't, I mean, our winner against Leeds wasn't even scored in injury time. Probably scared the 89th minute. <laughs> no, it was like the 82nd or something, or 83rd. That's, that's pretty late. But I mean, what a goal is a goal is worth the same whenever it's scored. Why is a late goal any worth less than an early goal? Because you're running out of time. Yeah, but so who cares when a goal scored? A goal is a goal. It doesn't matter. It it catches up with you eventually. You you know, because if you're relying on that, sometimes you know a team might go ole 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 and keep it ball and hold it in the last ten minutes because they're trying to see out a game. So it's not as easy as at different points of the game because they might be paying more expensive at the beginning of the game. It might be easier to score a goal then. Okay, so surely that would make those goals in a way luckier if it's easier. I mean, I just don't see how scoring a goal in it's a goal in the 90th minute and a goal in the first minute is still a goal. It's a goal whenever you score it. If anything, still- the goals late on give the team less chance to come back versus if you score in the first minute and then you've got you know, or 89 minutes to have to defend a lead potentially. But it's a risky strategy because these players at that late point might be starting to think, oh, we haven't got much time left. Let's, let's play. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is the strategy, out. though. Let's throw. But then if it's not the strategy, why do you keep doing it? 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't think it's luck to score late goals just because it's not the strategy. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Just, so yeah, I, are you saying my, that my everything that happens point. in life is planned out and anything that isn't that is ergo luck? I don't know. I mean, I, my main point is I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think you can spend a whole season scoring late goals after going two behind and thinking that that is a sustainable game plan. Yeah, but it's not, it's not the game plan. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like slamming it as if Conte is deliberately... Te- of course Conte is not deliberately but telling but the players, but, but, but I then, want you to Conte's go two more down. But then Conte's plan isn't working then. That's bad manager. He should leave because... If, if that's not the plan... Yeah, but if we're winning the games, plan? if we're winning the games, then clearly something is working. Yeah, but it's not going to continue, and what, why do you want to watch that rubbish? What, what rubbish? This is another point I want to go on as well, away about this whole style thing that's crept in in these past few weeks. Because I've never heard Conte described, until these last few weeks, as a defensive manager. His Chelsea team that won the league was never described as a boring or defensive team. His Inter team wasn't, his Juve team wasn't, not even his Tottenham team from last season either. We scored more goals than anyone else in the league in 2022 up until a few weeks ago, right? Last season, last season, we'd put uh, three past Arsenal, right? Five past Everton, five past Newcastle, five past Norwich, four past... We were scoring goals for fun. Even this season, put six past Leicester, four past Southampton. Do you know what the difference is in goals scored in the league this season between God's gift, Arteta, free-flowing Arsenal and anti-football Conte, boring Tottenham? Do you know what the difference is in goals scored? Two. Two. We've of... only scored two more goals. We've scored 31 goals this season. I think only one other time have we scored more goals by this point of a season. So all this kind of boring anti is not is completely not rooted in reality yet. We had a 4-3 the other weekend. How's that a boring, non-entertaining? I'd rather win a game 4-3 and come back and score a late winner than win a game 1-0, having scored in the first minute and then seen it out for the next 89. I so I, Hugo, I don't think I, Hugo Lloris would like to hear that. Well, no, but I mean, you know, if he, if he wants clean sheets, maybe he needs to be performing a bit better. But that's that's another conversation. But maybe we should, in the interests of uh, keeping the, the podcast and the friendship alive, unless, I don't know, <laughs> before we segue to World Cup preview, is there anything you want to say about the Premier League first half of the season? Any other Anything else you wanted to get off your chest before we, we look to the World Cup and maybe then ahead to the second half of the season? Well, a side note, I do want to let you know for Christmas you're getting a book about luck and probability. <laughs> That's inevitable now. Um, about the Premier League, I mean, I just signed it Leicester year in terms of a small club doing really well. I mean, Newcastle, you could argue, but it's it's interesting. It'll just be interesting to see whether things recalibrate after the World Cup. Do, do you know the things always go back to their their natural state? And I think I'm I'm more interested in the way in the the Chelsea United Liverpool when Liverpool are creeping up again. Everyone's forgetting. I think oh they had such a bad start. Very a few points behind Chelsea, and Spurs I believe. So I don't think any of the things done, but I think it's just been very fun and nice to be up there. Something yeah, I mean I th- it's skewed because it feels like. We're kind of acting as though it's halfway through the season, but actually it's just not, is it? No, in terms of games played, I don't think it is. It just kind of feels like the halfway point because of the World Cup. But ordinarily, yeah, we wouldn't even be at the halfway point yet. I think you're right about Liverpool. I think they're one of those teams who maybe could benefit from the World Cup and I think will come strong in the second half of the season. You mentioned Newcastle there, and I actually think they could finish top four. Um, They don't have any European football to distract them. They seem to have momentum, have made some smart signings. I've been very impressed from by how they've played. I mean, obviously, the whole ownership of the club and how they've got there is a whole other topic. But I think they're definitely ones to watch. And you said about, you know, will things recalibrate? But I guess depending on what happens at the World Cup, there's a potential for it to get even weirder. I mean, it could be even stranger in the second half of the season. So I guess, like you said, this year, it feels like one of those strange years where all bets are off in a way. Let's see. Let's see. We can only see. And I think I think the transfer window will be an important one now. But then also, I forget that the World Cup finishes and then we go Boxing Day. So the window isn't even open straight away. So it's going to be a really weird few weeks, I think, after that World Cup where you're going to have mismatched teams, the smaller teams 
with no international players might spring some surprises and that could change the dynamic and be important at the end of the season as well. So I think this World Cup is uh, it's controversial for different reasons um, and also for, for reasons that we'll, we'll come and see in May as well and, and probably reference. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got, I think we're the first match back um, on Boxing Day away at Brentford, which given how many players Spurs will have at the World Cup and potentially, I mean, we'll get onto our predictions, but how many Spurs players could be there right to the very end? I'm I'm looking at that Brentford away and thinking that, that's got a, a defeat written all over it, depending on what sort of squad we're able to put out versus who Brentford could put out with. Well, I mean, I was about to say with Ivan Tony having had a nice rest, who knows if he'll be playing Oops. in that game, depending on... Uh, yeah. Sure. What, what what might happen with disciplinary procedures? But uh, I did yeah. think that it's going to be hard for Spurs without without Harry Kane. It would have been in the final just the week before. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And lifting Eric the, lifting, lifting the trophy, his arms will be tired. Yeah. Well, speaking of the World Cup, I mean, it's a, a few days away now. Um, I think it's weird for everybody with this World Cup, time, you know, the time of year, where it's being held, all the controversy surrounding it. Do you feel the same sense of excitement as you normally would for a World Cup? Or do you almost feel like it it doesn't really feel real? Funny, I'm actually semi-into it now. I'm kind of getting excited, I think, with all the kind of adverts and the talk about it and the squad and the pictures and the, the FIFA update. I'm kind of like, you know, I think some people, I think it's actually in a way you kind of have fresher players. because Although we've cramped games in, when you do it at the end of the season, the summer, you're kind of like, we've just had a whole season and now, bang, again, no rest. Whereas now it's actually, you could argue it's, they should be at the peak of their powers, the players. So I'm excited because see what happens in this World Cup. But I think the most important thing is it's football. It's the biggest players on the biggest stage. And that's always exciting. And, and you know, it's the, the unpredictability is what makes it exciting. You know, you've got a lot of pressure on Argentina and Portugal to kind of make the most of the end of two of the best players in the world's careers. Then you've got a club team like Brazil who seem to be favourite, but we know favourites don't always win. Then you have kind of England who have done really well. Can they take it that step further? France, the, the reigning champions. They've lost a couple of players. Are they the same outfits? There's lots of stories there as well. And, and it's quite unpredictable. And you've got fallen giants like Germany and Spain as well, but they could easily come back. So I think it's, I think it's exciting because I actually think, and I might be deluding myself here, that it's actually kind of open with the big teams. I could, I, you could argue that any team, any of the big teams against each other could probably win in a one-off match. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of, you've said it's kind of unpredictable, but shall we make a, huh. a go at trying to predict it, even if it's a, a fool's errand? Absolutely. How, how do you want to do this, I suppose? Because I've, I've kind of got my last 16 and and to quarters, semis and final mapped out. Shall we maybe do, so, so have I, so shall we maybe do a kind of compare and contrast and, and go round by round and see yeah. see where we end up? Happy to do that. Um, okay. Do you, want to, do you want to go first? Give us some of your, your last 16 matchups and, and results, so kind of what the game sure. is and, and who you think will win. So on one side of the draw, I have Netherlands, say interesting netherlands to win then i have argentina against denmark argentina winning and therefore playing netherlands in the semis and i'll i'll share we'll, we'll go through round by round then i have germany versus croatia with germany winning and then i have a south american derby with brazil uruguay with brazil winning and then on the other side of the draw England to play Senegal, although after hearing that um, Mane's out of the World Cup officially, I'd argue it probably it could be Ecuador or Qatar. <laughs> I doubt it. Then France versus Poland. France. So sorry, England would, would, would win that game. And then Belgium, Spain. Belgium winning. And Portugal, Switzerland with Portugal winning. Interesting. So my quarters would be Holland, Argentina, England, France, Belgium, Portugal. So I'd love to hear how similar yours are. So I also have a Netherlands-Argentina quarterfinal. Um, uh, yeah, quarterfinal. But 
I have Netherlands beating England to get there. Whoa. And Argentina beating France. Wow. So France coming second? Yeah, I think Denmark could potentially top that group. I, I'm, I think France, I'm a bit... I think the last three World Cups, the holders have gone out in the group stage. I don't think France will go out in the group wow. stage, but it's been a long time since a World Cup holder has done well at the next World Cup. And I just think, I don't know, I've got a feeling about France. Obviously, they've not got... Pogba, I don't know what's going on with Kante. Those were two, whatever you might think about those two players at club level, they've both been very important the last couple of tournaments for France. Um, they didn't do that well at the Euros. Obviously, they went out on penalties to Switzerland in the last 16, I think. Um, they always seem to be sort of on the edge of uh, scandal or infighting in the squad. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll look very silly and, and they'll get all the way to the semis, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a bit of an upset and maybe they struggle. I wonder if it's something to do with hunger. Once you win that big trophy, it's like, where do we go now? And can how do you motivate the team to, to come back again? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I've got... And with England, it wouldn't surprise me. I, the, the, the group England have reminds me a lot of the group we, ha- we had in 2010. Uh, and you could argue we've got a better squad of players than we did in, in 2010. But we managed to find a way to finish second in that group and then got beat pretty comfortably by Germany in the last 16. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if something similar happened. But with the Netherlands beating us this time round. I mean, probably England still finished top of the group, but I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if we, particularly with our struggles um, in recent months, whether we found a way to to make it difficult for ourselves. And I think if we came up against Netherlands in the last 16, you know, Louis van Gaal, the last time he managed them, I think it was at the 2014 World Cup, where they got to the semi-final. Um, obviously, they got to the final in 2010, so it wouldn't surprise me if, if they went on another good run. Uh, so, yeah, and then I've got... Uh, Spain versus Belgium. Wow, very different. Uh, which I have actually. Put, I know. We've got it on the different. A different side of the draw. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I think I put Belgium winning. Um, I mean, this is the second time. The first time I did this um, a while back, I actually had Spain getting all the way to the final, but I've since um, changed <laughs> on them quite dramatically. And then I've got Brazil, Portugal, oh. uh, which I've got Brazil winning. Um, so then on the other side, and this is where maybe my predictions do look very silly. I've got Wales. Who won? Who wins the Portugal group? Uh, I put Uruguay. Wow, Darwin winning Nunes that. Is well, yeah, and I've I've got Wales versus Qatar as a last as a last sixteen game. Oh my god. Um, so I'm, I've I predicted Wales to top the England group. I don't know Wales. It's their first World Cup since what fifty four, fifty eight. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to be huge, you know, Gareth Bale, his last probably major tournament. They've done pretty, you know, Wales, they got to the semifinals, the Euros. Uh, they did pretty well at the last Euros, got to knockout stages as well. I think they're just going to have such a, because it's their first World Cup in so long and they do have quality players. And I think they'll just have that, that spirit. And, you know, the England game is going to be massive and I could see them getting decent results in the other matches. So, yeah, we've got Wales versus Qatar with, and Qatar wouldn't surprise me if um, they get out of the group. Um, home advantage. There you go. Home, yeah, home advantage. Um, I, I won't say any more than that. Um, but I think Wales will, will win that game. And then I've got Denmark-Mexico as the last 16 game, which I think Denmark will win. And then I've got Croatia versus Germany. Well, and I'm we've saying got Cro- totally flipped things. Yeah, which I'm going to say Croatia win. And then Uruguay versus Serbia, which I'm going to say Uruguay win. What so about my, the Swiss? I know, yeah. Well, I think I had Serbia finishing second in the group instead of Switzerland, although obviously I hope it's Switzerland. Um, so, yeah, my Mitrovic, quarterfinal Mitrovic. lineup, Mitrovic, yeah, Serbia have got a, a good squad. So, um, my quarterfinal lineup is Wales versus Denmark, Croatia versus Uruguay, <laughs> Netherlands, Argentina, and Belgium, Brazil. Wow. I mean, so what? We've got one, two, four teams in common mm. wow so that's quarterfinal so on one side for me Netherlands Argentina I'm going for Argentina yeah don't, me cry, too. don't, don't cry for me Argentina <laughs> then on my Germany Brazil which I think people would argue the bookies would probably say that is more most likely if it goes like this um I'm going for the Brazilians, but never ruled out the Germans. Um, on the other side, England, France. It's not coming home. 
and picking France, much to your dismay. <laughs> um, and then Belgium, Portugal. Could go either way that game, but I'm going for Portugal. Um, so you have a Argentina, Brazil, France, Portugal semi-final, which is a lovely, on paper, set of fixtures there. Interesting. So I've also got Argentina, Brazil semi-final. Oh. Um, looking at it now, I'm not sure why I've got Belgium getting as far as the quarterfinals. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure about that anymore. But I've I've come to the same conclusion as you on that side, Argentina, Brazil, and then I've got Denmark, Uruguay. Uh, Denmark to beat Wales and Uruguay to beat uh, Croatia, which I was surprised when I was doing it this morning. That's how I ended up. But if Denmark do top their group, and I think the other groups go the way I predicted, and they have Mexico and then Wales, and then Uruguay have Serbia and then Croatia, I don't know. It could happen. So, yeah, Argentina, Brazil and Denmark, Uruguay. Unbelievable. Well, people will be angry that that Argentina, Brazil isn't the final. Yeah. But... uh... Who knows what happens? So, I guess without further ado, final. I'm I'm picking Argentina to beat Brazil. I think Brazil have been bottlers recently, and I think they won't they won't cope with that pressure of a golden generation. So I think Argentina will get to the final, and it could go either way this France Portugal. But my gut feeling, experience recently, unfortunately for the the story of Ronaldo versus Messi, it would be France for me. Oh, wow. So yeah. you've, you've really gone big on France. I've gone big on France, yeah. And uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just went with it. Um, it's a shame because our Portugal-Argentina final. I mean, that's the final would, everyone wants, isn't it? Really, it like be, you said, for Ronaldo Messi. Because someone's coming out of there. I'm the best player of all time. That's just what it'll be. Imagine, though, both of them don't make it. Who's <laughs> like Paul Anthony? <laughs> Um, so yeah, what's your final? Argentina, Uruguay. Darwin uh, Nunes is coming back a World Cup winner. Yeah, well, interestingly, we oh no, we don't have both have. Um, I was going to say we both have South American matchups. No, we don't. Um, but yeah, I, Uruguay, I mean, like I said, when a previous time I did this, I had Spain getting to the final, but I don't. But yeah, now Uruguay, Argentina versus Uruguay, which um, South American clash, and. I'm get, I mean, are, do we both have the same winner? We both got Argentina in the final. Are we both predicting them to win it? Well, I'd be shocked if you weren't. But the truth is, <laughs> your your uh, prediction of France going out of the last 16, me, they're winning the whole thing again. Wow, double World Cup winners. Yeah, double back-to-back World Cup winners, beating Argentina and making Messi cry. Wow. Another Spurs trophy on the international stage. Yeah, Hugo Lloris lifted, lifting the World Cup again. Imagine that. Well, um, motivating them for the Prem title later in the season. Exactly. Prem and, Prem and Champions League double. Oh. Um, I'm just looking up. I'm Googling when was the last country to win back-to-back World Cups. Oh, probably Uruguay. <laughs> um, Italy in 1934 and 1938 and Brazil in 1958 and 1962. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I've gone for Argentina to win. Um, I just feel like I think they're on a, what is it, 35-game unbeaten run. I remember before the Euros, Italy were on a crazy long unbeaten run. Uh, Messi's last World Cup, probably. I think I read somewhere that the final, if they got there, would be his 1,000th game in professional football. Um, we both went to the the finalissima at Wembley earlier this year, where we saw them play Italy. They looked very good. The fans seemed to have a lot of belief. They won the Copa America. There just seems to be a, a momentum, a belief, almost a sense of destiny around them. I think they've now they've won the Copa America. They've got. Um, I just feel like they've got sort of the street smarts and and that right mix of experience and skill. Um, I think this World Cup might favour the South American teams because even though it's in the winter, it's still going to be a lot hotter. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going big on Argentina. Well, well, I mean, a lot of people have said, "Oh, they want Argentina to win," but I'm still bitter about something I never even experienced with the hand of God. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I think you know they almost did it, didn't they? Was it what, was it Argentina France? No, it was Croatia, France. It was Argentina, Germany. Germany, yeah, 2014. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, you know, they almost did it, whether or not eight years later is, eight years? Eight years later is a bit too too late for Messi. I mean, it would it would be fantastic to crown him, but, you know, it doesn't always work like that, these, you know, these, these magical story-like moments. So, listen, the fact that we've both gotten to the final speaks, uh, speaks, speaks a lot to, to kind of a testament to how well they've done and the reputation they have. But when I was looking at those squads, you know, Portugal really impressed me. And to be honest, when I look at this, we know, we, you know, they're, if they all hit form, a Brazil or a Portugal could easily do it. And England on paper should be able to do it. Um, and there's always, there's always an upset. So maybe it'll be Uruguay, maybe someone else. But I think the main purpose of this is you can't really predict it, can you? No, and I'm sure we will be um, do some some World Cup specials either before, you know, during or after the tournament. And I guess Absolutely. we'll be crossing crossing our fingers that the Arsenal and Spurs. I mean, I don't know how many Arsenal players are even playing at the World Cup, but the Arsenal and Spurs players come back unscathed and not too psychologically scarred by what happens. I mean, you think back to the 2006 World Cup and the Ronaldo Rooney incident. And we all thought that was going to derail Manchester United and and um, Ronaldo would have to leave the country and all of this. But it was all fine and it all simmered down. But I wonder how much of that was due to the fact that they kind of had the rest of the summer for everything to calm down. Imagine if they were going, you know, really straight back into Premier League action only what a week or so after the World Cup finishes, whether that situation would have potentially been a bit more volatile. Could there be an incident like that? Um I mean, if I'm thinking of my Argentina-Uruguay final, I don't know, Romero and Bentoncourt having a big <laughs> incident that, you know, we're like, oh, is this going to rumble on and derail Tottenham season? Uh, or even in, in your Argentina-France final, Mbappe and, and Messi, PSG teammates, could there be some sort of incident? You know, Zidane sure. uh, headbutt incident, you know, you never know. So, um, in, England-France, gonna... Ben White and Saliba competing for centre-back and now, you know, fighting against each other for glory. Yeah, you never know. It's going to be interesting to view the World Cup, I guess, through that lens of of the whole time you're watching it. That there'll be that bit in the back of your mind of how this is going to affect the second half of the season, which is a, it's a different kind of mindset to be watching the World Cup than normal because you always had that buffer. Whereas this year they're so close together that there is that feeling that anything that happens in the World Cup will maybe have much more of an impact on the second half of the season than they would normally have on the the first half of the season when they they happened in the summer it'll be very interesting to follow and um and i'm excited you know i am excited i think once we get stuck in all these things once the tv goes on england score a first goal they play well they win a few by a few goals against iran and it'll be coming home and uh you know 100% record under king charles and the football <laughs> yeah here we go here we go.